0: Hey guys, this is Matt and many of you probably heard over the weekend that our dear friend, our brother and our stick to football bartender, Dan passed away unexpectedly last Friday morning uh, due to a sudden illness. Uh, one thing that, that Connor and myself and Mello have talked about is that Dan loved this podcast. Uh, when I, when I told him I was getting a podcast, he was so excited to not only like to to help come up with some of the crazy ideas that we do on the the weekend show, but also just the fact that you know there was going to be another another thing he could listen to on his way into work, and it it morphed from him you know being a, a listener and a, a silent partner to you know being a dry cough and someone who came on on the Friday shows to originally crack beers, and then he started throwing hot takes, so we had to put him on the mic. But we're gonna do our best because it's what Dan would have wanted to continue this as best we can. Um, You guys have been amazing. All of our stick to football family that Dan loved so much have been amazing. We set up a GoFundMe account and you guys have been so awesome. We've had to raise the goal on it twice already. You can find that uh, on any of our Twitter accounts or by searching uh, Dan Basil Memorial Fund. Even if you can't donate, it's cool. We understand. But if you could share that so maybe other people see it, it, it would definitely help out. He left behind two kids, a boy who's four a boy who's eight, excuse me, a girl who's four, and we're we're just trying to kind of help them through this process. So that's that's what's happening, and that's what we're going to try to do. Um, Connor, I know that you and Dan had, had fucked up some handshakes over the years and gotten pretty close, <laughs> so it's, it's hard for all of us, man. It really is. I think when you look at
1: what Dan was to this show and really just to us as a friend, I mean, for you guys, lifelong friends, uh, I'd gotten to know him really well over the last over three years going to the senior bowl every year uh, you know when I come out to Missouri and when we go to Kansas City and I think when you look at Dan you know what always kind of impressed me was he obviously had you know two young kids and his own family but I think it was just the way he looked out for you. And it was impressive. Like when people grow old and, or, you know, old, but older and have their own families, they, they kind of take care of themselves or learn to take care of themselves. And Dan was the kind of friend that just always cared as much about his friends as anyone in in an impressive way. It's just, you know, whether it was driving us, you know, being the sober guy, driving us to Waffle House at like four (laughs) in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. The wrong, the far away Waffle House at four in the morning. Uh, He was just, I don't know, I just think that you don't see a lot of people that are that kind of friend for that long and that consistently and just, you know, an overall overall funny guy, a great guy, and a guy that I know we're all going to miss
0: a lot, a real lot. Yeah, well said, man, and this has, like, become a little bit of a mantra for this podcast, but as as Melo and and you and, and Dan certainly knew, anytime I start drinking... It's like one thing that I always said, and I think it's appropriate to start the show this way, man. Let's fucking go.
1: That's right. That's how I mean that's how we'd want to do it, and that's how it is. So let's let's fucking do it, man. And we got we do have a show, a good show planned out for everyone today because it's our our rumors and thoughts show on all thirty-two teams, no matter if the team has a first round pick or not. We're you know, we're a month out from this draft, and when it comes down to it. There's something going on for every single team. This draft class is fascinating with the quarterbacks or the teams that need help everywhere else. You have stars in it and, you know, and guys that will fall down the board and trade rumors with Odell Beckham, all kinds of things going on. So we're going to go through every single NFL team today and really just give out what's on our mind. And of course we're going to close out the show answering your draft on draft
0: questions. Yeah, it's going to be fun um, to go through all these teams and, and not just talk about what we would do, but what we're hearing, some of the scenarios that, that are going on. So let's just start with the Browns, man. They're they're on the clock, and it seems like we all know what they're going to do, but they are the Browns. Anything could happen. Some homeless guy might tell Jimmy Haslam what to do. So, <laughs> of course. Which, crazier things have happened, but it seems fairly obvious at this point that it's going to be a quarterback and it's going to be Sam Darnold.
1: Uh, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I think my biggest question with the Cleveland Browns heading into the draft is what do they do with the fourth overall pick? And I think this is a lot more uh, you know, debatable than people once thought. A lot of people think, hey, if Saquon Barkley's there, he has to be the pick. I wouldn't be so sure of that. I think Bradley Chubb is firmly in the mix. I think Denzel Ward could even be in the mix there. So the Cleveland Browns sitting at that fourth pick where a team like Buffalo might call and trade up. Do they pull the trigger on something like that? So the Browns, ironically enough, their fourth overall pick is way more interesting than their first overall pick.
0: It is. And it I think it becomes a situation of do they try to trade back um, do the, to, to acquire more picks? Do you let a team like the Denver Broncos, the uh, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, do you let a team like that come up, get ahead of the of the Broncos at five? to get that quarterback. And that's, it's going to be fascinating. I think we've talked a lot about the Browns control this draft with all the capital and owning two of the first five picks. I also think the New York giants are an interesting team. Uh, I was talking last week before everything went down to, uh, I guess the guy's a director of scouting at this point, uh, but just a, a longtime friend who's who works in the business. And he said, you know, Dave Gettleman, who's now the giants GM has never traded down as a, as a decision maker. And so I know there's been a lot of talk about, you know, why didn't the jets try to trade with the giants? And I know you've talked about that at length on our show and your show and, and, and on Twitter, but it might just come down to the giants don't want to trade. And I think you're looking at Bradley Chubb. It's been funny. I don't know if you noticed after the day JPP got traded, we started hearing from some of the like major draft guys that, well, Bradley Chubb's better than miles Garrett was last year, or, you know, he's better than Joey Bosa was. And, and, as happens oftentimes, those might be genuine opinions, but they are sometimes informed opinions. So Chubb's stock is definitely on the rise.
1: A hundred percent is because I think NFL teams really like that. They know what they're getting with Bradley Chubb. I think it's a guy that's, he's a hard worker, right? And he's just an all around talented football player. That's gotten better every year after choosing to go back for his senior year. So when you're looking for edge pass rush help it, the bottom line is these guys go in the top 15. I think it's going to be the case for him and Harold Landry this year. And, Chubbs, the guy that the NFL likes the most. I think we like him a little more than Landry, but both are impressive. And I think he has firmly, you know, brought himself into at least the conversation at number two overall. If I was the Giants, it would, it's a tough decision
0: for me. It's still quarterback, but my gut is that they go with Chubb, Barkley, or Quentin Nelson. And now at number three, and I'm with you. I think it's Chubb, Barkley, or Nelson. I I am with you. I was already thinking ahead about your team, the New York Jets. And I, uh, I put out a mock draft Monday morning and I I wrote it last week and I put it out Monday morning and (laughs) it was funny watching people understand that they like needed to be nicer to me on Twitter right now than maybe normal but they were just like dude this is (laughs) never going to happen instead of the normal like I you know your mom should have aborted you that I normally get when I (laughs) so (laughs) I do think that Josh Allen has to be considered in the mix but also you have Josh Rosen and you have Baker Mayfield to consider as well but it is it's. We don't need to talk about any position but quarterback.
1: No, it's as simple as that. I know Todd Bowles came out and said at the owners' meetings that they made this move with the thought of six to seven players being on their mind. That's just simply not the case. (laughs) That's just not the case. It's, It's down to three. It has to be, or four, I should say, the four quarterbacks. I mean, we're assuming Darnold goes number one overall, but it's still down to four, whether it's Darnold, Rosen, Baker, or Allen. And I think when it comes down to the New York Jets, the way this board falls, I wouldn't even be surprised if we see a world where uh, Darnold and Allen are gone one and two. It wouldn't shock no, me, it wouldn't. to say the least. So the, then it comes down to a decision for the New York Jets, whether it's Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield. And to be completely honest with you, Matt, as these private workouts take place, so you, all teams across the board, I'm not so sure the New York Jets have completely made up their
0: mind. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do just because and we also I feel like Mike McCagnon's like a cornered animal at this point where he like has to get this right or he's he's always fired and that's a lot of pressure so we already talked about the Browns let's jump to the Denver Broncos same story as the New York Jets I think at least that they're going to go quarterback but I have heard it within the last week um, you know I, I think I've shared before part of a process when I do a mock draft is I will send it out to teams and say, what do you think of this? Or um, I I talked about this when Melo and I did the show last week of mock drafts take me forever because I'll text someone from, you know, as many teams as I can to try to get feedback. And one thing I did here before I put out that last mock draft was it's not a lock that Denver goes quarterback. They could very much still go with Case Keenum and not feel that pressure to get a guy immediately to replace Paxton Lynch. I, I know trading Trevor Simeon, a lot of people think, okay, now they're gonna draft a quarterback, but they actually like Chad Kelly. They, as a, a developmental guy who was on IR last year, but they do like his skill set. So I think Denver's a team that could be that wild card best player available. And a guy we have yes. not talked about to Denver, and I don't know why not, is Saquon Barkley. I mean, wow. CJ Anderson, Devonta Booker, okay. You're right. They're just all day average. If Saquon's on the board at five and you've filled your need at quarterback, at least short term in case Keenum, why not get Saquon Barkley? And Keenum's only 30. And and I know that it's dangerous to expect a career year out of a guy, you know, his best year was last year. He's probably not going to be that guy every year. But man, if you could give him Saquon Barkley with an improved offensive line, I, I think that makes that team very, very good pretty quickly
1: yeah and I agree because when you when you sign case Keenum you have to know going in you need to build the run game for the team to succeed and the Vikings this year were seventh in the league in rushing yards per game so when it comes down to it the Broncos have to be better they they don't have to be better than seventh but they have to be better than what they are right now and the, the guy that is the quickest fix is Saquon Barkley on the flip side you can make the argument Quentin Nelson is a huge factor there but I just think GMs look at Saquon Barkley and go Hey, man, I know teams say, you know, we say, hey, you can't reach on running back, but this guy's different. And this guy's a one-man wrecking crew, an offensive weapon that helps a quarterback, you know, with the rushing attack and helps a quarterback in the pass game. So I'm firmly with you there. I don't think the Broncos are going to panic and take a quarterback no matter what. I think the right situation has to fall into their lap at five now that the Jets have jumped them.
0: Yeah, and at six, I think we should talk about the Colts being a team that could go straight up BPA. They could draft Quentin Nelson. They could draft Saquon Barkley. Um, but also, I think that they are absolutely a trade candidate because of the Buffalo Bills trying to get up. And uh, again, I'm, I'm going to say this same line so many times, so I apologize, but talking to people around the league, one thing that you continue to hear is, No one wants to trade back to 12. This draft class isn't that good. I feel like the Colts might be the one team that would be happy getting 12-22 and maybe pick 96 in the third round, which is a little bit of an overpayment. But I, I think Chris Ballard, realizing how awful his roster is and already has three picks in round two, would be okay moving back six spots to pick up an extra first and an extra third and just owning this year's draft with like 10 premium picks. And and if if Bradley Chubb and Saquon Barkley are gone i could easily see the colts talking themselves into that
1: i agree and it's really interesting when the jets made the trade with the colts ballard went you know did something with the colts team media right away and said hey we didn't want to move back too far because we want a premium player on the flip side i read that as hey we might still get bradley chubb at 6 if not you never know they could make the jump back you know because there's a lot of players that would make sense for them at 12 and 22 cuz like you said matt they have a roster to fill out at so many different spots, and the way to do that is really just accumulate as many picks as you can. So the Colts, it's no secret they're praying uh, they're praying that Bradley Chubb or a guy like Quentin Nelson, some kind of talent like that, falls into their lap. If it doesn't work out that way, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. The next team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a, a team that has made the trade for JPP. I think they've been very active in, in improving their pass rush. I'm very curious to see how the offense performs this year under Dirk Cutter because. It doesn't seem like it's been clicking with him and Jameis Winston, and this is the year you have to turn it around. On the flip side here, I in a perfect world, Saquon Barkley falls to the Bucks at seven. I can't see it happening. What wouldn't surprise me as a backup plan is they get one of these mean safeties, whether it's Derwin James yeah. or Minka Fitzpatrick. I think that's something that would really aid their secondary and just give them so much energy on
0: the back end. That makes a lot of sense at seven overall. It absolutely does. And I love that you put Derwin James name in there in our notes, because that is a name that I I hear every week. You're too low on this guy. You're too low on this guy. And I he might go higher than Minka. Yeah. And I have him in the top ten players. I just have a hard time slotting him into the draft. Same same deal with Darius Geis, a guy that you like in your rankings. It's just hard to figure out where to put him same. in a mock draft. And you're right, it's boring, but Tampa is the best player available at this point. And and the best news for Tampa would be that four quarterbacks go before them because then there's a possibility that Quentin Nelson or Saquon Barkley are on the board, and then that's a really easy, really fast pick. Yeah, yeah
1: it makes it almost way too easy. Yeah. And then when you look at the, the so when you look at the Bears A, a team that has had such a good offseason, they're getting pieces for Trubisky, getting pieces for Nagy. You know, obviously Allen Robinson and Trey Burton and Taylor Gabriel, you know, they they filled out the pass catchers, right? Now you, you have Kyle Fuller back in the mix. The Bears here are a team that when we're, we're talking about the rumor mill, because this is the the rumor mill and draft show, uh, draft thoughts show. Quentin Nelson with the Notre Dame offensive line coach going to the Chicago Bears. Quentin Nelson always made so much sense for them at eight. Now, it's really tough to envision him getting there. If he doesn't get there, Matt,
0: what does this team do? I I think that's where you start to talk about Denzel Ward from Ohio State or Tremaine Edmonds. And it is perfect world. It's Quentin Nelson. But if that if that doesn't happen, because all the scenarios we've laid out ahead of here, then I, I think they try to keep adding to that defense. I know they just locked up Kyle Fuller. But they need another corner, and Denzel Ward is is absolutely worthy of that number eight pick in this year's draft. I mean, a little short, but he is incredibly physical, fast, instinctive, and I think he has a shot to be a really maybe not an elite corner in like the Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey because he's just not big enough, but still a really really good you know high level player. So, number 9 your San Francisco 49ers on the clock here. Uh,
1: Another team that they've made a lot of moves. They are so hard to figure out at nine. In my perfect world, it works like this. If they feel that they do still need to address the linebacker position, then it should be Roquan Smith. Now, this is a little early to go get a wide receiver in this draft. Otherwise, I'd say that's a no-brainer for them. And on the flip side, too, now you got to face Ndamukong Sue and Aaron oh, Donald man. twice a year. Do you just keep building and building this offensive line and get a guy that fits perfectly like Isaiah Wynn? So the Niners are like really one of the true wild cards in the top 10.
0: They are. And. I was, I, when the news broke that the giants were trying to trade back on and I were together and I was like, man, I, I would be okay with the Niners just trading that ninth pick for Odell uh, because it would fill the biggest need. But like you said, now that you got a face and Dom and and Aaron Donald, I, and I know we're not even talking about the Rams. That's the best defense in the NFL right now. If they can get oh, yeah. a middle linebacker at 23, that's the best defense in the NFL. And it's good enough to win a super bowl, yada, yada, yada. But now as a Niners homer, I hope Quentin Nelson's there because, man, they are weak at offensive guard. They need someone who can handle that. I know, and they have been somewhat aggressive in free agency uh, You're know, going after. They got Jonathan Cooper uh, and uh, Weston Richburg. Yeah, Weston Richburg to play center. But, gosh, that's going to be a tough interior they're going to have to face twice a year. And, and it's not I like Arizona yeah. and Seattle don't have pretty good D-lines as well. So guard, I think, is the dream here. Just plug Quentin Nelson in at left guard or right guard either one, but I guess that also means you've given up on Josh Garnett, who was a first-round pick in 2016.
1: Yeah, which is, that's pretty, that's pretty quick, so when you look, you know, uh, I would say here across the bay, essentially, but with the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden's Oakland Raiders, it seems like some of the power has shifted out of Reggie McKenzie's hands there, which is really interesting. Gruden has taken an old school approach to this offseason, and I'm not so convinced it's going to pay off, which makes this 10th pick more vital than ever, ever, er, ever, whoa. Uh, when you look at what I think they should do and what I think isn't being talked about enough, that's completely in play. Vita Veya, blowed up on this interior defensive line and shut down the run. I think they would have loved if they could have gotten a Dominican Sioux there and they couldn't even get a visit. And I'm not saying Vitavea is Nadalma an and Sue, but I, you're talking about a player that could really control his gaps, a guy that can eat so much space in the middle and be a problem to run the football towards. I think Vitavea is firmly in play with the 10th overall pick.
0: I like that. That's not one I've thought of. I I thought I went outside the box in my Monday mock draft when I gave them Denzel Ward, and I just went Ohio State corners, Denzel Ward, Gary and Conley, Aaron Conley, Ooh. and it's such a huge need for them that it, like you just look at the depth chart. It's like Dexter McDonald. Tevin Mitchell, Darius Hillary. And I, yeah, Rashawn Melvin's a solid player, but man, like they have a need at corner. And if Denzel Ward's there, I think that's hard to, to overlook. Now, I team number 11 is very hard to figure out because the Miami Dolphins are working it out every quarterback and they've been linked to every quarterback, but they're probably not in a position to get one. Um, and, and again, we're a month out. Nothing's happened to drop the stock of these quarterbacks as far as I've heard. So I don't think we can say, okay, well, this might happen. This might happen unless they trade up. I don't see a scenario where the Dolphins get a quarterback short of a Laramie Tunsil. You know, we might get a video of somebody with a a gas mask bong (laughs) on and then (laughs) you (laughs) end up with the best player in the draft that you're picked. But I look at them as the team that could go running back. uh, Even though, you know, they kind of Kenyon Drake did some nice things last year, but they could go running back. They could go linebacker. I, I think they could go anywhere in the secondary if, like you said, if Derwin James goes before Minka and Fitzpatrick, he might actually be here for this pick.
1: That's not crazy at all. One thing you do have to keep in mind is they have Trader Mike uh, running things there, and and Mike Tannenbaum, a.k.a. The, uh, the anti-cap wizard, a guy that always seems to find his teams with absolutely no dollars to spend and no flexibility and will do anything to go up to the draft. <laughs> this is the guy that made it happen for the Jets to go up and get Mark Sanchez I agree with you that the Dolphins would love to get up and get a quarterback, but I agree with you more firmly that I don't know if it can happen for them this year, and I think it's going to be tough. I think they might ride this thing out with Ryan Tannehill. I think it really puts Adam Gase in a tough spot because you're almost coaching for your, your career at this point with a guy that unfortunately hasn't been able to stay healthy recently, so... The Dolphins are in a really tough spot because at eleven is where this draft starts to teeter off a little bit. The blue chippers are starting to come off the board. The quarterbacks are starting to come off the board. Yep. And man, I the Dolphins are just in a really tough spot. I like you said, you know, you'd you'd love to see a Derwin James kind of player here. I think it would be a little early for them to consider obviously a Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph if they miss the first wave of quarterbacks. So The Dolphins are just in a really, really tough spot. And I wouldn't even rule out Josh Jackson, the corner from Iowa. I think he might fit what they do. But, you know, they like what they got from Tankersley last year. And, you know, are they going to continue to grow that secondary? But the Dolphins are in a really weird spot. They
0: are, man. And the next team, we've talked a little about the Buffalo Bills. They have to figure out what they're doing. Are they going to try to trade up? They do have 12, 22. And then they have a, a load of picks on day three or day two, excuse me. So they have they have room to do it if they can find a partner. And that's. I think sometimes we talk about, oh, just trade up. You got to find a dance partner to trade up. Not that easy. And especially yeah. now when everyone knows what you're trying to do, that price just gets higher and higher, like we talked about the Jets. So it, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man, to see what the Bills do if they have to try to overpay to get one of these quarterbacks. But if they don't go quarterback, I think they could go a number of different directions. They could also be a team that looks to improve in the secondary Um the offensive line. I mean, I don't think there's any way Quentin Nelson's going to make it to twelve, but um, you could look at, at maybe m- maybe they do like Mike McGlinchey enough to draft him, kind of in a Jack Conklin type pick, to just draft him to be their right tackle, and then then you have two very good, very cheap tackles in Deion Dawkins and Mike McGlinchey. Um, so, it, and then linebacker. If Roquan Smith somehow there, they could definitely go linebacker. I think he would be a good fit, same with Tremaine Edmonds. So they they're another team that there are a lot of areas that they could go in.
1: They really can. I think when you look at it at the 12th pick, I think they would have to consider a guy like Harold Landry. I think they would have to consider a guy that's a little versatile, like Isaiah Wynn, as there's been some movement on this offensive line. And then when you get to 22, so this is the plan if the Bills can't move. Do they reach on Mason Rudolph is the thing that I'm wondering. Do they take a swing at Lamar Jackson and try to develop him while AJ McCarron is is obviously entrenched to start out the season. That's what I want to know with the Buffalo Bills. How desperate are they to figure out this quarterback spot right now? Not next year, but right now. So really interesting for the Bills. I do think they get an impact player if they stay at 12. And then I think they get a little riskier with that 22nd overall pick.
0: All right. Now a team that has made a ton of moves this offseason, Washington, new quarterback in Alex Smith. Gone is Kendall Fuller. They've I think they're a roster that's not bad, but you don't get super excited about it. I still think they, even getting Orlando Skandrick, I don't love the the corner situation. I don't love either of the safeties. Uh, that could be an area. Middle linebacker could be an area they try to figure out. Defensive line, I know they drafted Jonathan Allen last year. You mentioned Vita Vea at 10. I think this could be a spot for him at 13 if they if they decide to go defense.
1: Yeah, so I see this as an interesting pick because I see it as two things. I think it's Derwin James's floor, right? I don't think he can get past this pick, and I think this is right around Darius Geis, Darius Geis's ceiling. Maybe Miami. You did say on an Insider Buzz that Miami loves him. I think this is probably right around where Darius Geis could go at the earliest. Keep in mind, it's the ceiling. So for the Redskins, you know, do they do they want to get? A, a workhorse back or do they want to get a really mean safety for the back end i, I think that's really what it comes down to and, and then you can move on to the green bay packers here a team that has a big time need at corner a pretty big time need at edge pass rusher i think this is harold landry's sweet spot i think this is josh jackson josh jackson's sweet spot and i think maybe this could be mike hughes's ceiling this is where he could come into play so the Packers have two very, very obvious needs on defense, and I think they, that's where this pick goes.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's just defense, defense, defense. I did uh, Aaron Nagler, a good friend of ours. I did his, uh, he does like a little video chat thing, and I was like, man, it's just defense. Like, they have to go defense yeah. at some point. Um, I liked Kevin King, who they drafted last year, but I, I think they, they have to corner, edge rusher, middle linebacker, definitely in need. 15, Arizona, needs quarterback, but they're not going to get one at 15. No, they might maybe can get one in round two, but uh, unless you're reaching for a guy, they're not going to get one at 15. And I, I know that I think Steve Kime came out and said that Sam Bradford will be the starter. And I hope he'll be the starter there a long time. Um, <laughs> I, let me tell you, he <laughs> won't be, I've seen that show. I've seen that song and dance all the way back at Oklahoma. It doesn't work that way. So I would think that, you know, they've, they've retooled a little bit in Arizona. I think the offensive line's in need, um, you know, right tackle, uh, is gone. They they trade him away to Denver. I could see Mike McGlinchey here. Um, they, they could offense the interior offensive line. There has been not as good as they expected. So they signed Justin Pugh. But and, and then I think this is probably where we start having conversations about Calvin Ridley, just because they need yes. badly need another receiver there. Larry Fitzgerald is a Hall of Famer, but old, and you you lose John and Jerron Brown, even though they were both hurt a lot, and you replace them with. Kobe Hamilton. I mean, they they have a yeah. huge need for that second and third wide receiver. I'll
1: tell you what, this is where I like Connor Williams a lot. I think fifteenth is a sweet spot for him. I say you go, you go get you know a guy that could be your franchise tackle. So I like Connor Williams here, and a guy that could probably even play guard in a pinch if you need him to. Looking at sixteen, the Baltimore Ravens, a team that has been trying to fix their wide receiver problem, they're clearly going to ride this thing out with Joe Flacco at least one more year. The Ravens are a tough team to figure out. Are they trying to be a win now team? Are they ever going to go in the rebuilding process? How do you see this playing out for the ever kind of recently treading water Baltimore Ravens?
0: Yeah, it's tough, and I think that that weak side, strong side linebacker, um, unless they really like the the two guys they got in the twenty sixteen draft that we haven't seen much of, Matt Judon and Camille and Correa, we haven't we haven't seen those guys, but they need no, to get on, get the, on field. the field. Yeah, Tim Williams. So I, Exactly. So those are all spots where we could see them try to upgrade in this draft. So you, you've mentioned Harold Landry a couple of times. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Calvin Ridley's on the board, the Alabama connections a little too strong to Ozzie Newsome. So that one could definitely make some sense, but they, they have a lot of needs across the board and hopefully they're going to stick with their running backs. Cause I like this crew that they have, but I have heard that they're one of the teams that has a very big interest in Darius guys. That's,
1: makes a lot of sense. It doesn't shock me. Yeah. All right, when you look at 17 the Los Angeles Chargers, this team needs some kind of spark for this city and I don't really <laughs> I don't know if I have the answer at 17 for that kind of spark here. I mean, there could you hope that maybe Roquan Smith falls this far? I would be a little surprised to be honest with you. You have the pass rushers up front to make things happen on defense. I like the potential of maybe even making that secondary Uh, more impressive if you're worried about Jason Barrett's long-term health. So I I do like a player like Mike Hughes here, but the Chargers need some kind of explosive element. And I just think 17
0: is a really, really tough spot for them. It is. Uh, Here's a name I'm going to throw out at you, and I'm not being a homer. Friend of the pod, Leighton Vanderash, makes a lot Mm. of sense here. So it's Rashawn Evans. (laughs) Like that second tier of middle linebacker, they're both really good players that could start right away. So throw those boys in there next to Denzel Perriman. And I I think you have a a much more solid core in the middle of the field. How about Seattle at 18? This is a weird offseason for Seattle. They are shedding marquee players like crazy. uh, And we might still see more of them go. I mean, they still need help at receiver. They still need help on the offensive line. They still need a running back. And now you talk about the changes on defense where they have not drafted well as of late. And they are retooling a good amount of the defensive line. They are retooling uh, at that Leo spot. They need another corner or two. They might need two new safeties. This is a team in a major transition, and unfortunately, because they have Russell Wilson and he's pretty good, they're picking at 18. So they're not even in a spot where they can go get a great player.
1: Here's my two surprise names for Seattle at 18. Both would be considered, this would be early for them. Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, and Isaiah Oliver at cornerback. Those are my two surprise names that I see as great team fits for Seattle.
0: Yeah, no, those are very interesting names for sure. How about Dallas at nineteen? I thought wide receiver for sure. And then yeah, they go and get so Allen for That it's <laughs> so like, oh, well, okay, never mind. I actually really like their receiver core now. I think left guard still a very big need for them. Um, uh, James Daniels has played guard. Billy Price has played guard. Isaiah Wynn, who played left tackle at Georgia, could come in and play left guard day one. Big so bad Willie Hernandez. <laughs> oh my God. Wearing that neck roll in that crop top Jersey in playing. Dallas. Woo. It would be great. Strong side uh, linebacker. Pretty big. need Now that Anthony Hitchens is gone. I, yeah. I think this is maybe where Mello had Rashawn Evans going just because he okay. was such a natural fit at strong side backer.
1: I would like that a lot. I think those make a lot of sense for Dallas. When you look at 20 with Detroit, This is a team that I think is somehow, it's not talked about a lot. I think with a couple of right moves, they can be in in the hunt in a very tough division. So when you look at the lines here, this is where I would like to see Darius Geis go. And I think this is something you and I talked about when they were projected to pick even earlier. I just think it makes so much sense to get Stafford the help he needs to really solidify the running back position. I think you have a passing attack
0: that can win you games. Now balance it out a little bit more. Yeah, and they've done a good job of spot-filling some needs in free agency. You know, getting Luke Wilson uh, at tight end, uh, picking up Sylvester Williams at defensive tackle, getting Devin Kennard and Christian Jones to fill out that linebacker core. It's a good yep. secondary if everyone's healthy. Darius Geis is not a name I've ever put to them, but it makes a lot of sense. It also kind of fits the personality of that team. Uh, they They are kind of shuffling the offensive line, so I also wouldn't be surprised to see an interior offensive lineman go here. All right, the Cincinnati Bengals taking the jump back to 21 after the
1: trade with the Bills. Man, another really interesting team that's probably not going to move on from their quarterback situation this year. I think they could, you know, I heard them say now that they might look to play Carl Lawson at a more traditional linebacking role. I don't like that at all. He's an edge pass rusher. I would say go look to fill Linebacker here with one of the two guys you named earlier, whether it is a Leighton Van Der Esch or whether it is a guy like Rashawn Evans, who I absolutely love in this class.
0: Yeah, and, and that strong side linebacker spot, I'm not a huge Nick Vigil guy, so I think that is a pretty big need. And with Vontez Perfect, you just never know, you know what is going to straight happen rumors with him. around him. Already, yeah. So, I, and, and I also would throw out, I think getting maybe a little younger on the interior D line. Um, they they took two guys in the last two years in the fourth round, Andrew Billings in 2016 and Ryan Glasgow in 2017, that I liked, but they're seventh, you know, they're fourth round picks, they're day three guys. So the chances of them being high level contributors. I mean, you're, you're kind of starting to work against the the numbers for that. So uh, I, one other thing I would throw out James Daniels because they need a center so bad. And I, after trading for Cordy Glenn, maybe they can put Cedric Aboy hit right tackle and kick Jake Fisher into center. But they got to fix the interior of this line. It's it's really, really bad. And Daniels is
1: a guy that's just such a great fit for what would you what you'd want to do with Joe Mixon in the running game with it with Daniels athleticism. I think that would play in really nicely there. So 22 is where the Bills will pick. This is where the Chiefs were supposed to pick. Now, the Chiefs have had a very interesting offseason. They were aggressive in getting Sammy Watkins. They added Kendall Fuller while shipping Marcus Peters out. How do you look at this Chiefs team in terms of what's the most pressing need as they go
0: into year number one with Patrick Mahomes fully at the helm? Yeah, and not having a first-round pick is going to make it tough, which is, I think, why we saw them be aggressive to get Sammy Watkins, to get Anthony Hitchens. They need a corner uh, to even getting Kendall Fuller and, and getting David Emerson. They still need another corner. They need a free safety. They need a left guard. And I, I know they're going to try to roll with D Ford for one more year, but at some point you also have to start thinking about outside linebackers. So it's, it's a really hard spot. And I, I do think that's why you've seen them get rid of you trade Alex Smith, you trade Marcus Peters, because they know that this they've reloaded well enough that they can be competitive. I think in the AFC West, because it's a pretty bad division, but this is not a dominant team by any stretch. They're going to have to nail this draft without having that first-round pick and, and really be able to, to I think, hit the ground running. You can't draft it like last year and get Pat Mahomes and, and Tenno Passignan, get guys who you know aren't going to play the first year, and those two have to step up in a big, big way this year. But yes. this draft should be all about plug-and-play type guys.
1: So you would think in the round two, you're looking at like Jesse Bates and Justin Reed, the two safeties that are round two kind of safeties that can both play free yep. safety if needed. All right. Number 23, yeah, the, the, the The talk of the off season here, the Los Angeles Rams, man, talk about a scary defense that has brought in Marcus Peters, a keep to leave Sue. They have sh- sent off Alec Ogletree and Robert Quinn, two guys that have underachieved, since getting paid, and they kept Lamarcus joyner throughout all of this. So the Rams here, the dream pick to me is that Rashawn Evans makes
0: it here. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and you, then, you, yeah. then you arguably might have the the best defense in the NFL. I know Minnesota's really good, but my God, that we get two shutdown corner speed up front that no one's going to be able to match. Uh, I also would throw out, I think they they could get better at those outside pass rusher spots. If somehow Harold Landry's here, we haven't talked about Marcus Davenport at all today. No, we haven't. And he's probably going to be off the board at this point. If somehow, someway he's still there, I would love him playing under Wade Phillips. I think he would round him out really nicely. Harold Landry, um, those edge guys. It's not the deepest class, but I, I see that still as an area where they need to get someone who can come in and, and give them some at least some speed and some pressure off the edge. I want to throw something crazy at you for the Rams. If the board
1: broke horribly for them and all those defensive players were not there that you hope falls for them, is twenty three too rich for DJ Chark? Oh. Because it is for the me. The loss of Watkins is gigantic, but yeah. it is
0: simply a reach for speed. Yeah, I think you have to hope that guys like uh, Josh Reynolds can take yes, that. step. Josh Reynolds, um, of course. And Robert Woods had a great year last year. Cooper Cup, they expect big things from. Tavon Austin's awful, so I, I think it's probably a reach for Chark. Just because I, I you, you got to wonder how much of it is—is is he just a traits guy, or was he held back by that offense at LSU? And I know I wrote last week that he could be a first rounder. I wouldn't necessarily do it because I think you're spending a first round pick on probably a number three receiver. Okay. It's a tough team, though, to figure out because they have done such a great job. Carolina Panthers, new GMs, the old GM. So that's exciting. And <laughs> it's, it's hard to figure out exactly what he'll do. Now, in the past, he favored, you know, fast defensive ends and and you know bigger corners. I think corner is a need for them. I think they definitely have to get younger at defensive end. And the offensive line is still not good. They could definitely go offensive line, especially losing Andrew Norwell and free agency uh, to Jacksonville Jaguars. So. I don't know that there's a position other than quarterback and running back that I would say the Panthers can't draft in this class.
1: Yeah, it seems like everything is absolutely on the board for them, and I think ideally they would love to just keep loading up on pass rushers here. I just don't know if one that you value here falls into your lap. That's the biggest problem for me, and the same could be said for corner. I think the top three corners are gone between Ward, Josh Jackson, and Mike Hughes, so when it comes down to it, do you want to take a guy like Oliver Carlton Davis, Jair Alexander, a little undersized, but was probably a first-round caliber player after 2016 when he was healthy. So the Panthers, everything is on the table for them. 25, the Tennessee Titans, now under Mike Frabel, a team that has been very aggressive, I think, this offseason, or will at least plan to stay aggressive this offseason. They're a team that they've, they've really tried their best to get Marcus Mariota some help. I think Corey Davis you know, comes into his own this year. My question for them is How much do you trust Derrick Henry as your primary running
0: back? I'd say not much since they signed Deion Lewis. And I know, yeah. like, Derrick Henry fans will say, Remember the Chiefs game. And I'm going to say the Chiefs' right side of the Chiefs defense was maybe the worst against the run in the entire Remember NFL. every other game. <laughs> right. He's been in the league two years, and you got one playoff game against a shitty defense that you're going to tell me says that Derrick Henry's an elite running back. I'm not buying it. And I know that's probably, I'm sticking to my draft grade, but until he shows more than one game in, you know, just a crazy situation, I'm not going to believe it. I think they have to go front seven on defense. Yeah. And they lost Avery Williamson. Yep. This, yep. And, and we've mentioned guys like Carol Landry, Rashawn Evans, Leighton Vander Ash. I don't think Marcus Davenport would be here, but he I would be excited about him. But also, they could go up front. I mean, they, this is a team that could go after someone like Daron Payne from Alabama. It just. We don't know yet what Mike Vrabel is going to be like as a, you know, a partner with the the front office there with John Robinson. But it, I trust that they're going to be a badass, tough team on defense. And guys like Jeron Payne, Rashawn Evans, Leighton Van Esch, they kind of fit the mold that I see them going for. I also think
1: this is where the uh, Maurice Hurst conversation can begin to pick up now that he's been cleared to play. When you look at 26, the Atlanta Falcons Uh, Another team that I think they can go guard here, I think Will Hernandez comes into play at this spot, assuming guys like Isaiah Wynn uh, and Quentin Nelson are off the board. I think they can also maybe look at Cortland Sutton. They can maybe even look at Hayden Hurst or Dallas Goddard at tight end. So pass catcher in play for the Falcons and offensive line in play for the Falcons.
0: Well, this was Dan's team, and uh, every week I told them that they were going to draft Isaiah Wynn, so I'm just going to keep going with it, and okay. I, I think it feels a need, that left guard spot. Um, that the Falcons are, I know I've said before, they were so sneaky good last year. A team that loses the Super Bowl in historic fashion still makes the playoffs and has a good enough run that they're picking at 26. I, I don't know why that, and I'm the same way, I don't get real excited when I think about the Atlanta Falcons, but... Man, if you can get a good guard in there like Isaiah Wynn, if you can maybe beef up the defensive tackle spot, maybe like this is where Maurice Hurst starts to get talked about. Maybe Daron Payne is here for this pick. Uh, they're not far away. And that division is crazy down there where it's, it feels like every year, you know, there's one, a new dominant team other than Tampa. So I, I think it is a toss up <laughs> at this point where, you know, they, they're, they still have a really, really good foundation to be a good team. Speaking of dominant teams
1: in the division, New Orleans Saints at 27. This is a team that for a while I felt like, you know, before the Baker Mayfield rise began, uh, I thought this was a good spot for him. Those days are long behind us. I don't know if they'll take Lamar Jackson and and have him sit behind Drew Brees for probably another two years. So maybe they're not ready to get their quarterback just yet when we thought months ago that they were. Now, on the flip side, they signed DeMario Davis because I kept plugging inside linebacker here, inside linebacker here. They gave DeMario Davis a lot of money. So how do you see the Saints handling this draft or what they're narrowing this down to right now?
0: Yeah, I'm going to throw out a name that you just said for Atlanta, Hayden Hurst, uh, the tight end coming out of South Carolina. A little bit of an older guy, but they don't care because their Super Bowl window is about two years. So why not, you know, shoot your shot, go see what you can get. Give him that tight end. Uh, that stretch player in the middle of the field that will open things up for this this offense. They don't have a lot of holes. They really, and we saw that last year because they hit on every damn draft pick. You got five starters. There aren't in one many draft. needs. And even like you lose or you're likely to lose Kenny Vaccaro in free agency. You drafted Von Bell in the second round of 2016. So like every even these guys that they've lost, they still had someone kind of a next man up type situation. So, you know, I I could see. Like you said, I really thought linebacker was going to be a spot. If it's not a tight end, maybe a defensive tackle. But it sure seems like you would want to give Drew Brees everything he's ever asked for to try to extend this Super Bowl window for them. Pittsburgh at 28 honestly feels kind of a similar deal, but it's defensively where they have to plug holes. I mean, unfortunately, Ryan ear is we don't know. And signing John Vostick is a band-aid. They still need an inside backer. Uh, getting Morgan Burnett is, a, I think, a very underrated, savvy move for that uh, front office. I like their front three. So how do you see Pittsburgh? I, I think Pittsburgh is, is tough because they have they have drafted well, and so it comes down to, like on pure need, it's almost like you know, guard or inside backer, I guess. Well, I think
1: the two obvious names for me are Rashawn Evans, if he makes it this far, which would surprise me. I don't think he should make it this far. The other thing that they, you know, uh, our buddy John Ledyard from NDT Scouting said that they are going to take Darius Geis out uh, to a dinner before his workout the following day. I I think that is a great fit if they're not going to pay Le'Veon Bell, which it seems like they have zero interest in doing. So Darius Geis is a great fit at 28 for the Steelers if he makes it that far. And then if things don't really work out that way, I think you start to get into the conversation that they want to press corner. And listen, how much do you trust in Artie Burns? Would you take a guy like Carlton Davis? Oh, that's you, a good point. Yeah. Would you look at safety and think Ronnie Harrison here? So there's a lot of lot of different options to the Steelers, and I'm pretty confident this is a team at the back end of the first round that comes out with an impact player. They always do.
0: It's every freaking year we're sitting All there the on time. draft day and we're like, damn, how, did they do this, how does this guy? Last year with TJ Watt. How does he fall to them? I mean, it it is. I don't know how they get this lucky, or maybe they're just this smart because they find good guys scouting. like Juju in the second round and, and good scouting. Out. Good scouting, Jacksonville Jaguars. Things I never thought I would say in the same sentence, oh, but Tom Coughlin, the magician. Shit, it's true, yeah. And they have filled needs with free agency because they have a very young, very cheap team. So you get Dante Moncrief, you get Andrew Norwell, you get Austin and Jenkins, and it's just. And the defense was already lights out. I find them to be a very, very hard team to mock because they have drafted so many young players that you're like, okay, where, where's the need? Like, what's obvious that I'm missing here? I could see it being, I thought AJ can had a rough year last year, so a guard like Billy Price or Isaiah Wynn makes sense. Right tackle, I think, could definitely be in the conversation. Defensively, it could just all be about depth for them right now, or I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to shuffle things with Paul Poslesny retiring. But we've thrown out a couple middle linebacker names, Evans, Van Der Esch, Malik Jefferson, I think fits the kind of athlete that they like. So that that's also somewhere they could go.
1: Yeah, the Pazlesny, uh retirement is definitely an interesting element to this. Will they have an impact linebacker fall into their lap here? I think this is the team that can afford to roll the dice on Lamar Jackson. That's my two cents. Ooh. I think he could sit behind Blake Bortles. Uh, we've talked about it on this show that Doug Marone, when he was back at Syracuse, uh kind of really implemented the package plays the rpos with ryan Nassib. they did it in the late into the summer to you know really get the offense going it worked i believe they went eight and three that year won a bowl game had a really effective offense so he knows how to implement an offense around lamar jackson and i think this is the team that can let him sit for the year
0: develop and really flourish with a good offensive line and a run game in the future since we're talking quarterback before we move on i'll just throw this out there if doug marone and tom coughlin are the Bill Parcells disciples? They say they are. Mason Rudolph is their guy because those Bill Parcells scouting rules of you had to be a three year starter, you had to win this many games, you had to have a completion percentage over sixty five. He you checks know, all the boxes. Like you got to have a, a strong chin and be good looking. You know that's not really on there, but it should be. It uh, should be. He checks every box, so they are an interesting team to keep an eye on. Minnesota Vikings at thirty. I I don't know if this is a a team that should be considered a Super Bowl favorite or that we wait for the inevitable letdown after last year, but I still find their offensive line to be weak. Underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Could use an upgrade. I like the defense a lot. I don't know anyone who doesn't, but I would look at that offensive line as an area where they could definitely fill in some gaps here, especially on the interior. If someone like Billy Price falls because of that pec injury. If one of the guards happens to be here, maybe maybe this is where Will Hernandez goes, and they're just like, fuck it, let's just be the toughest team in football with this crazy left guard from UTEP, and, and they would also be the team that you would least like to fight in a bar in the NFL. I was going to say,
1: this is really the sweet spot for Billy Price. I think you nailed it there. He has the versatility to play across the interior of the offensive line. And, uh, you know, I think they've had some good, good luck. there, drafting Pat F line in
0: the middle yeah, rounds. So all the, Ohio state. Yeah, line. of course. Get Jamarco right. Jones in the second. And yeah,
1: <laughs> the evil empire picking 31st overall all this year in New England Patriots. And you, I feel like they're going to come out with something good this year. They do actually have a lot of needs. I don't want to say a lot, but more important needs. You, you really need a tackle. I don't know what you're going to get from Antonio Garcia next year. Maybe, maybe great. Maybe not. You truly don't know. So the Patriots, I thought the Danny Shelton trade was very savvy, very smart, you know, did not cost a lot to really beef up the interior of a defensive line. So the Patriots are an interesting spot here where, listen, would uh, Sony Michelle shock me? I, it would not, but I do think they really need to figure out the offensive line position and take the yeah. best player available
0: here. I think so too. One interesting thing that, that someone pointed out to me last week was that Bill Belichick has been going to all these D line linebacker pro days, and he's been very active with those position groups. So it could be the world's biggest smoke screen, but it also could be. And they've, like you said, they got Adrian Claiborne they got Danny Shelton. I really like Malcolm Brown and Trey flowers. And I liked Derek rivers last year in the draft, but they have spent a lot of time with the front seven to not be addressing it. Even though I'm with you, I don't think it's the biggest need. All right. Last
1: up, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, I, listen. I know who I like here. I like Ronald Jones here. I don't Ooh. have the confidence that they pull
0: the trigger on no, that. No, that's 30 the difference seconds. between fit and and value and need. And I, they're another team. They are so hard for me to figure out. Because- they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. They have two and quarterbacks. <laughs> so I started thinking, I'm like, well, maybe, like, you know, you can always use depth at corner. And it's like, nope, because Sidney Jones is coming back. So it's it. they are incredibly tough to figure out. I, I have recently leaned toward a safety, someone like Ronnie Harrison, just because you know, like, uh, Malcolm Jenkins is a, a damn good player. He's also, you know, he's 30 now, starting to slow down a little bit maybe. Oh, good. They are hard. They're really hard to figure out. I. I think the weakest spot on the roster is offensive guard, but it's just a matter of if there's going to be a guy at that spot. And then, you know, Vitae played so well down the stretch at left tackle filling in for Jason Peters that I don't even worry about that anymore. Lane Johnson's kind of crazy at right tackle. You don't, you don't know if he's going to be suspended some, so that could potentially be a spot to look at, but I wouldn't say in the first round.
1: Yeah, that's, that's tough. I I think one thing you look at here and, and if he heard this, he would absolutely crucify me, but uh, Jason Kelsey, is listen, he's only thirty years old. He's been playing absolutely amazing. And he is under contract till two thousand twenty, but he can kind of be cut almost cap free. So maybe you take James Daniels to groom behind him. That's a dark horse dark horse pick. But if you really true do Ooh. believe in building depth and having guys that are ready to play and step in, you know, well, a year or two from now. The board, and he so. could exactly. So maybe that's another pick that's in play as well. All right. Of course, like we end every single show, your draft on draft questions must be answered. The show goes on. So this first one from Grounded Fantasy, what projected day three wide receiver has the best chance to surprise and succeed if they go to their perfect scheme bonus points for matching the wide receiver with a team? Well, you know, my answer is going to be Braxton Berrios to the Patriots (laughs) done. That's, That's the easiest one ever. I know it is. It's, it's. I feel like a cheat for actually saying it, but guess what? That's what I'm going with.
0: <laughs> Day three receiver to the team. That's tough. Um, I'll go Jamon Moore to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, speed over the top. stretch receiver. Yeah, Love it's just that. what they. It's their type, you know. Like the the guys always give me shit for having a type. That's the Steelers' type. It just and makes too much. Wasn't
1: sense. he a little bit of a headache at Missouri? At a little time. bit, yeah. <laughs> also, so, yeah. All right, this who, one from our guy wasn't? Anthony Mangaluso. Always send the good questions in. If the top quarterbacks in the draft were ice cream flavors, what would each of them be? <laughs> oh my three? gosh!
0: <laughs> I think Sam Darnold has to be vanilla. Uh, of course, he is. He's
1: yeah. absolutely vanilla. Yeah, and then uh, Josh Allen's Rocky Road. 'Cause you just like there's a lot going on there and I don't know what I don't know what's what's coming at it. So man. Yeah. Uh Josh Rosen is mint chip because there's so no good. in between with mint chip. You either love it or you absolutely despise it. So uh, who do you got for Baker Mayfield? He might be I was Rocky trying to, Road
0: as well. <laughs> Baker might be Rocky Road, or he might be Neapolitan because you get a little bit of everything with him. You know, you it, certainly do. That is crazy, oh, crazy man. Baker Mayfield. That's a great question, though. We could. Uh, we need always, to do like a, a beer series too. He, and, he always and the, the good dude. stuff. All right, Patrick Johnson. How many trades do you think will occur in the first round? Or and is there a biggest surprise trade, dude? Every trade we have like, you know, theorized about has happened. So, I yeah. feel like we need to maybe. The obvious one is Buffalo trading up. I think that 12 to 4 or 12 to 6 trade is the obvious one. Um, how many trades do I think will occur? I think I, this will be a low trade year because they've already all happened. So, I say maybe three. Well, yeah, three is a good already number. Happen. What I, yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. So, three and a half is probably your over under. A surprise trade. I, I don't see anyone that makes a ton of sense to jump up or that has the capital to do it. Um, again, like Buffalo is the team that you would, you would most think likely, I I guess I could see the Rams doing something because they've been so aggressive and I, I, that might continue where they're not going to be afraid to go from like 23 to 14 or something, or, you know, 23 to 13 to get a really good player. Harold Landry, plug and play done. All right. This one from Ryan
1: Derrick as a Colts fan, love the trade back in the recent mock draft. Why do you think they would select Davenport over Landry? That is clearly a Matt-directed question.
0: <laughs> I think he just better fits uh, that defensive scheme, and I, I also think he gives you a little better upside. Um, looking what whatever Fliss wants to do, the way they're going to run that, that scheme, I really like Davenport as put 15 more pounds on him, and he's going to have that great first step. He's going to be able to play with length, and I know Colts fans are gonna look at Harold Landry and be like, ooh, is this Dwight Freeney? You know, is this Robert Mathis? Because he's that short guy who can get under the hands of tackles. But And I like Landry, but I'm, I do worry about a guy who got hurt this year and tailed off. And we, we don't really know exactly what we're getting. I think with Davenport, we don't know what we're getting either. But I watched him get better every day at the Senior Bowl and then saw him a month later at the Combine. And that dude is on an upward trajectory that is pretty special. So I, I think he's... What we've seen so far is good, but it's not even close to what he's going to be. All right. This next one from Casey Jones, Darnold and
1: Saquon at one and four Miller and many cornerbacks gone. Where would Browns go at 33 and 35, man? That's oh, okay. So he's saying so that Colton it, Miller's this, gone. Yeah, this is another one. That, well, that's fine. Colton Miller. I could really take and relieve yeah. him. him uh, <laughs> 33 and 35. Man, Matt, this seems like it was directed at your mock
0: draft again. What would be the yeah. plan there? Well, I, I still think you got to look at offensive line, you know, so if the, if that's the scenario, Jamarco Jones from Ohio State or Tyrell Crosby from Oregon are guys that I would look at because I think a left and right tackle are needs right now in Cleveland. And then I, I do think that you can continue to find uh, a corner in the second round. Maybe it's someone like Isaiah Oliver or Carlton Davis, who would be a really good fit for that Greg Williams scheme, uh, but also are, are, are really good values. I know you said many of the corners are gone, but I, I would be surprised if we get to, 35 and Carlton Davis is not on the board. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Okay. This one from Christian Lisek favorite OBJ
1: landing spot. I think I know where Matt's going with this. Well, oh
0: shit. It's San Francisco. Yep. But also, <laughs> I would, as much as I love Jared Goff and, and Cooper cup and, and all the guys out in LA, I would actually like to see him play for the Rams, even though I know what that's going to do to my team, but I don't care. Cause that would just be a blast to watch that offense. I would
1: like, I, I was going to say San Francisco as well. I, I would like to see him go to Seattle as well with Russell Wilson. I think that oh, slants for days, just slants for days and extending the play. OBJ can work back to the ball. I think that'd be a lot of fun as well. So listen, we're getting uh, a super NFC West happy with the, oh, my <laughs> yeah, that's all right, man. The AFC really stinks right now. New anyway, England. so And I'm not Trade sending him to New England. I am not sending him to New England. So God, no chance. It's like Randy Moss all, all over again. Oh, yeah, even worse because he's even younger. All right. <laughs> this one from Andy Baker. Do you have at least, do you have a least favorite phrase that is commonly used when discussing draft picks or free agency? Example, for the right price, comma, approve it deal. The least favorite. I I use all these by accident because I talk so damn
0: much that I can't even shit on it. I know that Dan used to to like want to slap me every time I said a quarterback could spin it. He's like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) So that's like the one that now every time I say it, I am gonna like flip him off and and think about. But I don't know. I get depending on who I'm around, you know, like so when we leave the combine, I've been like around scouts the whole week. And I just end up speaking like a different person. And then I get home and I get back around like Mello and everybody and I. I wash the scout speak out of my vocabulary, but also when I, th- I think when you write as much as you and I do, you run out of ways to say things. And so yes. you do sometimes lean on that crutch of, I can only say that, you know, best player available so many times, you know, or, or find different ways to say it. You just kind of have to roll with it sometimes. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one.
1: All right. Uh, this one from Andrew Harbaugh, which scenario is more appealing? Browns trading number four and 33 for OBJ or Browns trading with Buffalo and Buffalo trades 12 and 23 for OB wait for OBJ or not try
0: for OBJ at all. Holy I would not shit. trade four, four and 33. There is no fucking way I'm trading that for a receiver. Who's going to want to be the highest paid player in his position. He's getting it. He's going to be one. Yeah. He's going to want so much money. There's no. I wouldn't do it, and I also think culture is incredibly important. I think if he went to the Browns and they they were losing, he's going to throw a fit. So oh, so I, I see what he meant. Yeah. He meant also, with should the Browns trade with Buffalo to get 12 and
1: 23? It's actually 22, sorry. And uh, then use those picks for OBJ. But it's all the same. At the end of the day, the Browns yeah. are trading and paying OBJ to be reunited that, like, you, with Jarvis Landry.
0: Right. They're boys, they're best friends. They want to play together scary. again. So maybe, but... Damn. I, that's a lot of draft capital to trade up. Ooh, last question is the Niners one. From, and I, I always pick to read a question when I can't say the person's name. From <laughs> Jake M- M- Madero. Madero. Madero, <laughs> thank you. Of I'm course. from Missouri. Everyone's know, last this. name is English. It's like yeah. Johnson, Miller, Smith, Williams. So, okay, Niners question in this thing. Do you see the Niners moving up a couple spots to get Nelson now with the Sioux signing? I have a hard time seeing them move up. I I think they would be more likely a team to move back, especially if we get to a scenario where Tremaine Edmonds is gone, where Quentin Nelson's gone. I think they're a trade back team, not a trade up team this year, especially after trading up last year to get Ruben Foster. You're kind of starting to get to that spot where, what would you trade to move up a couple spots? And is it worth it? Maybe to some fans it would be because they feel like there's a window now with Jimmy G And with the, you know, the moves that they've made offensively, the guys they've added on defense, maybe you guys feel like, Hey, this team's actually pretty close. Let's go do it because now we got Richard Sherman for a couple of years. But I I guess I look at this long-term and unless it was, you know, like, let's just trade a three to move up a couple spots to get in front of Chicago, then maybe, but I'm not going to, I don't want to sell the future for a guard.
1: Yeah. That's a really good
0: guard, but. I
1: I totally get it. And I also think the biggest problem is here. They they traded their number two already, and that's what it would cost to go up. So you're going to start going into your 2019 draft capital, you know, savings account here? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: You want to end the show on really good news? Yes. The Colts announced that Andrew Luck is throwing again. Good. Thank thank God. What a weird, what a bizarre year that was. From a guy that we said was the next John Elway pre-draft, to a really good start to his career that maybe didn't live up to expectations because we said he was the next John Elway, and then gets hurt and it's just been a crazy ride. So hopefully he's back on the the path to uh, to being the guy that most of us thought he would be.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's crazy with Luck because the game is better when there's more elite quarterbacks, and I think Luck people forgot how fun he was in that play, you know, in the playoffs before, and a healthy Andrew Luck is better for the NFL where we're seeing. More and more years of playoffs starting. Apologies to Nick Foles. You proved everyone wrong. But for <laughs> yeah, everyone you're the outlier, else, man. And you're the outlier, all these bad backup quarterbacks on primetime television.
0: Yep. All right, man. That's our show. Uh, thank you again to everyone. Like we said at the top, this has been a, a difficult week for us. You know, um, Melo and I w- recorded the podcast last Thursday night, went out per usual, knowing that Dan wasn't feeling well. and And then, you know, our lives got... Fucked basically. You know, so it's been it's been hard, it's been heartbreaking. Um, it's been sad. There's been a lot of tears, a lot of laughs, but this was cathartic for for me to just get back to doing what we do. And and again, thank you to everyone who's the GoFundMe account. Um I I, I think I cry every time I look at it, thinking about the amazing like what an amazing gift we can give Dan's kids, not only in terms of of helping them financially but just to show them how many people loved and cared about their dad and how many lives he touched. And that's his legacy, you know, of he wasn't on this podcast for long, but he left a huge mark on it. So really appreciate you guys letting me get on here and just kind of open my, myself up to you. And then also for, you know, all the tweets today, people being like, man, we got your back, you can do this. And, And when I didn't know if I could, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. So for me, for Melo, for Connor, for Whiskey Dan, for Kennedy, the whole stick to football family. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we'll talk to you soon.